Good morning, family. Uh, such a blessing to be here with you all. Uh, you know, Andrew did mention this morning that we have a number of our women that are out on retreat. Uh, and, and for most of us, uh, you know, if, if you have uh, a woman in your household that's missing this morning because uh, they, they're out on retreats, uh, especially if you have, in the Caribbean, we call kids picnies. Um, if you're from Jamaica, you'd hear them refer to children as little picnic. Uh, for those of us who have picnics at home, uh, we appreciate more and more and more. Not that we didn't appreciate them before. I just want to make that clear. But, but we appreciate uh, you know, those mothers more and more and more. Uh, it took me about two hours this morning, believe it or not, uh, to get those kids ready. Uh, I'm normally down here. I try to be down here at 8 a.m., but it, it took me about two hours. Um, so if you see my kids running around, uh, please grant me some grace. Uh, uh, I did the best that these hands will allow me to do to get their hair right. Uh, and so just, just, just give them some grace. Give me some grace. Uh, the hairs may not be as, as well combed as the wife would have done it, but, but thank be to God for life and good intentions. Good intentions. Uh, if you don't mind, uh, I just want to ask you to stand one more time with me. We're going to sing uh, just one song. We were a bit heavy last week. <laughs> Uh, let, me, let me don't say we. I was a bit heavy last week uh, in some of the, uh, the, the, the things and the approach even that I took to our message, where do we find identity. Uh, you know, we, we, we said some really, <laughs> I said we, right? Uh, I said some really strong things. Uh, you know, I, I really want to stand by those things, but this morning I really hope that we won't be uh, as heavy as far as some of the things that would be said, but nonetheless, uh, even though we may not necessarily be as heavy, I really want us to still get a strong word from God this morning. So we will be in Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20. That's going to be our main text, and, and that's really going to be uh, the, 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 the second part of the sermon that we started on last week. But before we get into our text, if you don't mind, just grab a hymn book uh, and we'll sing hymn number 959, 959, 959. For some reason, I was talking to Brother Wayne Russell this morning, just before I walked in, and, and he mentioned something about, you know, back, back when he was growing up, there were some songs that were sung with a, with a little country vibe to it, and that's true. A lot of the songs that we have in the hymn books are written with a good old country vibe. Uh, this is one of those songs. I, I'm not saying that we sing it country, but we, we want to we sing it in the spirit in which it was written, all right? So, so <laughs> uh, we, we're going to speed it up just a little bit. I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. And then a little light from heaven filled my soul. It bathed my heart in love and wrote my name above. And just a little talk with Jesus made me whole. Now let us have a little talk and let us tell him all about. I know he will hear. And he will answer by and by when you feel a little prayerful. As your heart onto heaven is turning, you will find a little when Jesus makes it right. Sometimes my path seems drear without a ray of cheer, and then a cloud of doubt may hide the light of day. 
mists of sin may rise and hide the starry sky, but just a little talk with Jesus clears the way. Now let us have a little talk and let us tell him all about. I know he will hear and he will answer by and by when you feel a little full yearning as your heart on to heaven is turning. You will find a little when Jesus makes it right. I may have doubts and fears, my eyes be filled with tears, but Jesus is a friend to watch his day and night. I go to him in prayer, he knows my every care, and just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Now let us have a little talk, and let us tell him all about, I know he will hear, and he will answer by and by, when you feel a little prayerful, as your heart on to heaven is turning, you will find a little when Jesus makes it right. Now your seats. Go ahead and have your seats. Go ahead and have your seats. If you don't mind, I, I just want you to repeat after me and I, I'm going to ask the men to, to say this phrase and then I'm going to ask the woman to say a phrase and then collectively I'm going to ask us all uh, just to say a particular phrase. So I'm going to ask the men first just, just to repeat after me. I am. I am. I am. I am a son of the king. All right, beautiful woman, woman. I am. I am. I notice you guys are trying to follow my accent. That's great. I am. I am a daughter of the king. Now together, we are. We are. We are. Children of God. If you didn't know who you were before, I'm hoping that that statement would have been a true reflection of who we are in Jesus Christ. We are children of the Most High God. I know sometimes we don't feel that way. I know sometimes we don't even act that way, but I want us to appreciate that we are children of the Most High God, the God that, that created the world, the God that spoke the world into existence. We are children of the creator. We are children of the provider. We are children of the king. We are children of the most holy one. And so I want that to sink down and I want that to, to, to get deep into your soul because as I said before, there are times when we feel down and we feel out, 
because there are things that we do, there are, there, 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 there are places that we go, there are things that we say that doesn't necessarily reflect that, but you and I are sons and daughters of the Most High. I want you, if you don't mind, to come with me almost immediately into the book of Galatians chapter 2. And we're going to make our way down to verse number 20. Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20. Many of us could quote that, that text from our minds. It was said there, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ who liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. On last week, we looked at the fact that as we, as we, we got into this approach of where we find identity, I'm hoping that I would have at least said enough to help us to recognize that our identity doesn't come from anyone or anything other than from God himself. So as we looked at Jonah on last week, we, we recognized that, that Jonah understood that his identity was connected to the relationship that he had with his God. And as he recognized the relationship that he had with God, Jonah understood that it also created purpose in his life. As we looked at the book of Matthew chapter number 16, I, I'm hoping that we made a good enough splash in the ocean for us to recognize that as we think about where we find identity, the world kind of tell us who we are that has to come from God. As a man or as a woman, even though you may not necessarily have a relationship with Christ, I, I need to speak to somebody here or somebody that's, that's on the world wide web. Even though you may not be a Christian, the world cannot truly define who you are. It's only the creator that could do that. And so as Christians, it means a little bit more to us to understand that the world that we are living in is, is dead and it's dying, it's decaying. It will only go further and further down the tubes. So we can't afford to allow the world to define who we are. Our identity is rooted. Our identity is founded. Our identity is built on Jesus Christ. So God reveals to us in our weaknesses. Don't we feel weak sometimes? God reveals to us in our sinfulness. Don't we sin from time to time? God reveals to us in our brokenness. I, I wish I could give Jeff some more time to, to preach this morning on, on what he was talking about in the communion. Don't we feel broken sometimes if we were to look at the world for our identity? The world would tell us that we are just human. But when we look to God, when we look to Jesus, when the Holy Spirit reveals who we truly are in Christ, we are more than just human. Dear I say, Chris, you and I are superhuman because of the Spirit and because of Jesus Christ. So make no mistake about the church. Are we up yet? Make no mistake about the church. We our daughters and sons, we are children of the Most High God, and that should mean something as we recognize where our true identity comes from. I want to bring us into our text almost immediately, and I just have three things I want to draw from this text. And I'm hoping that this message would be yours to bless you from now until eternity. As we look at this text, I want us to appreciate that this text is a very foundational text within the confines of not just the book of 
Galatians, not just this epistle or this letter, but it really should, should act as a, a foundational text for us in this life that God has called us to live and to lead. Paul here would say, and let me just read this. I, I have this in two different versions. I, I quoted it from the King James, but let me just read this from the English Standard Version of the Bible. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, who loved me, who loved me and gave himself for me. As we think about Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20, as we think about the reality of where we find identity, I want us to understand that this is not a statement and this is not a phrase that is pulled or plucked out of the air and it is not a frivolous just by the way type of statement but the statement and this declaration that Paul makes, I am crucified with Christ. It's a statement that's rooted and founded in biblical doctrinal truth. In other words, I want us to, to understand, if we didn't understand it before, that doctrine matters to the foundational belief of the child of God. Let me repeat that one more time. Doctrine matters, teaching matters to the foundational belief system, attitude, and life of the man and woman of God. We are people of the world. We are people of scripture. We are people of revelation. So doctrine is supposed to be at the core of the foundation or the platform on which we stand. Any declaration we make, any confession that we take and make ought to be rooted and founded on sound biblical teaching. <laughs> so when Paul says, I am crucified with Christ, never the less I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. That's not just him giving some willy-nilly, you know, day-by-night type of declaration. It's a declaration that's founded on a biblical, dare I even say historical, truth. As we think about this text really quickly, there are three things I said I want us to appreciate from this text. As we think about this text, in this text... We find what in the English language is, 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 is called an oxymoron. An oxymoron, oxymoron is, 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 is a convention of language, a convention of speech that kind of puts uh, you know, two contradictory thoughts together in, in one whole thought. Let me show you what I mean if, 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 if you're lost there. Uh, anybody ever heard about a fun run? <laughs> I don't want to pick on Andrew this morning. But... <laughs> Pew, I, I saw him took from like, oh, is something up, is something up? And he, you know, he went to get those bags, came back, and he was breathless. Uh, you know, but people have 5K, uh, 5K fun runs. Let, let me tell you, I, I enjoy exercising, but uh, I don't know. There's, there's nothing really fun about running, you know, in, in most cases. Uh, I love to play soccer. I'll run for two hours up and down kicking this ball. But to the average person, there's nothing really fun <laughs> about a run. But we put fun and run together. If, 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 if you need that next example, anybody ever heard about sweet pain? 
sweet pain. <sighs> you know, sometimes you're on your feet so much in the day, and your ankles are swollen and they begin to hurt, and you ask your husband or your wife, would you just rub my foot for me? That, that, that's, that's, that's local again, that's my, my Trinidadian accent, rub my foot. That simply means, could you give me a massage? And so, as they sink their, their, their fingers into the feet, there is a pain that's there, and then you, you might scream out, uh, you know, you might grimace in pain, uh, no, uh, and they'll be like, do you want me to stop? And then you say, no, 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 don't stop, don't stop. Sweet pain. If, 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 if you've ever brought a, a, a child into this world, woman, you could identify with this. And in, in that moment when they're telling you, push, 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 and the husband is there and he's trying to get you to breathe, breathe, breathe. <laughs> I don't know if those Lamar's class really work, but, you know, I tried to do the he-he-hoo thing in the, in the delivery room with my wife and she was just watching me like she was going to kill me. Right? But, but they tell you, breathe, breathe. So, so they're, they're saying to her, push, push. And I'm there, breathe, breathe. I'm doing my part. And she's watching me like, I'll, I'll just kill you. But it's painful. From what I could see, it's, it's painful. Push, push. And then they tell you, one more push. And you push that thing out like a man who pushes out a kidney stone. <laughs> push, push. No sooner does it come out, does your body become filled with endorphins because it goes from hurt and pain to now something that is sweet and beautiful. An oxymoron. You put two contradictory thoughts together to make one complete thought. So as Paul makes his statement, he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, even though I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless, the truth is I am still alive. I am dead to one thing, but I am alive to something else. And so when you think about the relationship that, ex that exists between us and our Christ, there is a death while yet at the same time a life that is being lived and led in this entire scenario. So Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. I want us to see these three things really quickly and the message would be yours. Number one, as we look at this text, I want us to see that Paul addresses the whole issue of identity right here in Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20. When you think about who you would love to become, when you think about who you are, Paul says it right here as he looks at his life and as he takes into consideration his history and his past, and he had a past, mind you. Sometimes we think that our current situation is overshadowed by the severity of our past. Well, in Paul's life, he says, God is using me as an example for you to understand that if you could just hold on to Christ the way that I did, you would realize that your past doesn't define your present, nor does it ha really have any bearing on your future. Anybody here ever did some things in their past 
that they felt like, listen, if anybody else here in this pew would only know this, the kind of stuff that I did and I went through in my past, they won't look at me the same. God knows. The people in the pews may not know, but God knows. And even though he knows he loved you in spite of who you were 10, 15 years ago. Forgiveness. You guys have heard me talk about forgiveness so much. You probably say, well, all he talks about is forgiveness, 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 forgiveness. And that's fine until it soaks in. Forgiveness is one of the most difficult things for the human being to come to terms with. But let me say this. It's easier sometimes for us to forgive our enemies than it is for us to forgive ourselves. So we have Christians who walk around who have learned in, in one aspect the ability to forgive others who have wronged them. But we also have in, within the confines of that same person an individual who is struggling in his or her walk to forgive themselves for things they have done in their yesteryear. So forgiveness, though it might come easy at times to, to display forgiveness even to our enemies, sometimes it's so hard for us to forgive ourselves for our past indiscretions. But Paul did some things in his past life, as far as I read and I understand. Paul was a persecutor. Paul was a murderer. Paul was, was an individual who considered himself even to be a blasphemer. Paul was injurious. And in spite of his past, God was able to, to use Paul in a wonderful way. Not because uh, he, he had sin, but because his heart, I love Jeff, his heart was in the right place. Anybody here ever did something wrong? And you, you, you recognize that, you know, I, I really did do something wrong, but God, God, you know I really didn't intend to do that. It happens to me so often in my, in my marriage. It's like, uh, but I know every time I say this, I always look at you. Could I be real just for a second? In our marriages, sometimes we have those, we, we have those encounters where uh, we, we, we encounter difficulty and trouble because you, we, we, we do things as men. That, guys, could I... <laughs> Can I just say some stuff? We, 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 we do things as men, not that we're trying to uh, make our wives feel bad or we're trying to put our wives down. We have the best intentions at times, but even with the best of intentions, we make mistakes and we falter and we fail. But thanks be to God, we don't have some women in our lives who look to us, even in our failure, and call us failures. It's the same way God sees our failures, he sees our sins, but he doesn't look to you and to me as failures. He says, no, 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 I I'm looking to you as a son and daughter still of mine. So Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. I am who I am because I have been connected to Christ. So my identity, number one, is wrapped up in my relationship with Jesus Christ. Who I, I, I aspire to be is because of Christ. Who I am is as a result of him. I want us to see this really quickly. I'm going to come back to finish this in just a little bit. But, but come, come with me into Galatians chapter 1. I want to do some reading really quickly. Then we'll probably go back into Romans for a little bit. But I want to do this as quickly as I can. In Galatians chapter number 1, I want us to see that this statement that Paul makes 
In Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. This is drenched, and it is planted within a theological position that Paul has found himself in. Paul is saying some things to, this, to, the, to these brethren in Galatia. He is dealing with some issues, namely one particular issue, and we'll address it in just a little bit. He is dealing with an issue, but as he's dealing with this issue, he's also teaching along the way. Watch this. In Galatians chapter number one, come down with me to about verse number three. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself, watch this, for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of God and Father. Verse 5, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I marvel, he says, watch this, that you are so soon or turned away from him that had called you into the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Is that in your Bibles? He says, which is really not another, but there are some who would trouble you and who, who want to circumvent or pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so say I again unto you, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than that which you have received, let him be accursed. So everything and the position that Paul takes as he makes his way into chapter number two is founded in his understanding and his belief in the importance of the purity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, when Paul showcases his identity as a Christian, he is building his identity on the platform of the saving grace of the gospel and its deliverer or Messiah, which is Jesus Christ. In other words, because Jesus was real and because he was the fulfillment of the promise and because of him it made salvation for all possible Paul links his identity with God's saving plan through Jesus in other words everything about Paul's life he says is connected to God's plan of salvation so I am who I am only because I understand and I am connected at the hip, we would say, to God's saving grace and God's saving plan. <laughs> so Paul says, listen, I want for you to understand Galatian brethren. I need for the church here to understand here at Antioch and wherever you are, our identity is wrapped up intertwined and it's all coming together with the gospel of Christ. There is no Christian without the gospel. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to sound too careless with my statement here, Tim. But take this for what it is. I don't care what we think or how we feel or what the world says. You can't have a relationship with Christ 
outside of an understanding of the gospel. In other words, if the gospel is not preached and taught in its purity, we can't bring individuals to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I fear that we are living in a time and in an age where, where people no longer put any stress on the purity of the gospel, where we no longer see value in sound biblical teaching. Everybody thinks that truth is subjective, and so I could look at a text, and you could look at a text, and whatever we think it is is what it is. But the truth is, there is a truth that is there that needs to be unearthed, and it needs to be unearthed in its purity. I'll be the first to confess to you, as a preacher, I've changed in my time and in my age and in my study from something I held to be true at one point that I now no longer hold to be true because I have, I have grown in my study and I've grown in my spiritual life. That is me saying that if it is you change in your theology from what you held at one point to now, it doesn't necessarily mean that you did not have relationship with God. <laughs> I'm just trying to help us to understand that growth, true growth, only happens when we are truly stuck in the Word, and the Word causes growth in us. So here it is, Paul is saying, I want us to, to see this, that the gospel is at the center, that the gospel is at the heart, and because he believed in this pure gospel church, he could simply say now that he identifies with Jesus the Christ. Did you miss it? There is one gospel. There, there is not but one gospel. But there are some who would try to circumvent and pervert. Did you, did you see it? There is but one gospel. But we, even though we know that there is one gospel, even in Paul's day and Paul's age, there were some who were trying and who, who succeeded in perverting the gospel of truth. Do I, do I need to go a little further? There is but one church. And, and, I, and <laughs> there is but one church. I'm, I'm not trying to tell you that there, it, it needs to be a certain sign on the door, but what the church holds as gospel truth is necessary to the foundation of that church. Romans 16 is only one designation. For the church that we find in scripture. The churches of Christ salute you is a collective term or a collective address to, to all those who were of the household of faith back in the day when Paul was writing to the church at Rome. But the church was also called people of the way. The church was also called followers of Christ. The church was also called the church of the living God. There were different ways in which the church was addressed, but the real core of the church was the gospel that was believed and that which was taught. So hear me and hear me well. If you didn't hear me last week, I hope you hear me this week. It's not the sign outside on the door or outside on the big sign that makes the church the church is the gospel that is believed and the gospel that is taught. <laughs> so let's look at this really quick. I told you I was going to be quick and done. Come back with me now to 1 Corinthians 15. I just want to put this in. Let's just do a little Bible study. I just want to put this in. I, let me do promise. We're going to be done, but let me do promise. In 1 Corinthians 15... If the gospel is so key, 
to our identity, and we need to recognize what the gospel is, then, then really what is the gospel, right? In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, Moreover, brethren, from verse number 1, I declare to you the gospel which I preach. Notice this. The gospel that I preach to you, which also you received, and what? Wherein you stand. I want to make sure that you're there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which you also received, and in which you also stand. So it's not enough to receive the gospel, but you also have to stand in it stand on it stand with it and allow it to stand alongside you you have to allow the gospel to prop you up and sometimes to pick you up it's not enough just to receive it that's what i'm trying to get at we have to stand and live by it he says by which also this is verse number two follow me on this church by which also you are what by which also you are what Come on now, by which also you are what? Saved. You are saved. He says you are saved if you hold fast, hold on to the word which I preach to you unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, check this, according to the scripture, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. And that he was seen by Cephas then of the twelve. And after that he was seen by about five hundred brethren at once. Of whom the greater part remain even to this present. But many are fallen asleep. After that he was seen by James. Then by all of the apostles that then least of all he was seen even by me also. As one born out of due time. For I am least of the apostles who am not worthy. Notice Paul's attitude, church. Who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God. I, I could preach right there and end this sermon. But, I, but by the grace of God. I, 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 I know what I did. I know who I was. But I know what I deserved. But by God's grace. I am what I am. So as you make your way back into Galatians uh, chapter number 2, really, really quickly, notice Paul identifies the first thing, that his identity is drenched and it's found within the identity of Christ. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. In other words, I have become dead to sin and alive to Christ. This is not a dead sacrifice as they would have had under the law when a, 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 a lamb would be slain and the lamb would not raise up. This is a living sacrifice, the type of living sacrifice that he, he spoke to the Romans of in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. Whoever I was before Christ is, is no longer the dead man, is no longer the man of sin, the woman of sin is no more. I have been crucified with him. Amen. But the life I live now, I'm, I'm living only because of him. So he says, number one, my identity is found 
in Christ. Let me be hurry with this. Number two, he says, I also have purpose in Christ. When you recognize your relationship to Christ, he now reveals to you a purpose. And last week I said, I know many of us are struggling with purpose, but we look at purpose oftentimes from a physical standpoint. We define ourselves by our jobs and we define ourselves by our careers. We define ourselves by the relationships that we have or we don't have. We define ourselves by the blessings that we have or we don't have. But really at the heart of our godly living, at the heart of our relationship with God, we need to recognize our purpose is singular in nature. So look at what Paul says before I go on to number three. I told you I was going to be quick. Look at what Paul says. He says, not only do I find identity, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But he says, I also find purpose. Because I know the life that I now live in this flesh. Listen to what he says. I live it by faith in the Son of God. So you die to sin. You die to self. Christ says you have life now in me. Well, what type of life have you been given? It's a life lived out in faith of the Son of God. Well, what does that look like, Paul? I'm glad you asked. Before I came to know Christ, I was self-willed. But now having come to Christ, I'm, I'm all about God's will. Before I came to Christ, I had my own objectives, my own plans, my own motives. But now that I'm in Christ, it's all about God's motive and God's opinions and God's view and God's plan. Everything about my life needs to reflect God's will and way for me. There is one thing in God's plan that we can't get away from. That his desire is to save all men from their sins. So if we are to identify with Jesus Christ, here is our purpose. Everything else is going to be overflow. Everything else is supplementary. Everything else is secondary. Here is our main purpose. When we think about our identity in Jesus Christ, he has called us to connect with his plan of bringing all men, as many as possible, to Christ. So as a Christian, you're a soul winner. You guys with me? It's our job, it's our duty, it's our purpose to strive to bring as many as possible into communion with Christ. And then finally, not only do we find identity in this text, not only do we find purpose, but he also shares with us some motivation. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who, check this, this is the motivation, who loved me and gave himself for me. If ever you needed motivation to live as a Christian, should it's because Christ loved you. If ever you needed motivation to get up when you have fallen down, it's because Christ loved you. 
It's ever you needed motivation for you to understand you are loved and you are cherished and there is a hope for you apart from this physical world is because Christ loved you and he loved me enough to die on a cruel cross for the worst sins that you and I could ever commit on this side of heaven. If you ever needed motivation to get up into the mo in, in, in the morning and come to service and, and, and to put one foot, if you're a man, to put one foot in, on one side and another foot in an... And I know we have women now, we're progressive. So women wear pants too. I'm glad that men don't wear skirts. But the point is, if you ever needed motivation to, to live right in the sight of God, to, to live as a Christian should, it's because Christ loved us. And he gave himself for us. Church, can we stand? Let's, let's sing this song of invitation. If you need motivation, look no further from the fact that Christ loved you enough. And he loved me enough to die for our sins. So Paul says we have identity. Paul says we have purpose. But Paul also says we have motivation as we think about our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. If you have any need, if there's any prayer, please come forward and let it be known as together we sing.